got a fancy new chair here. Do you? Mm-hmm. It's nice and uh, tall, firm. That's that's what you look for in a chair. Tall and firm. <laughs> tall, firm chair. <laughs> it's got a big back. It makes me feel like uh, Captain Kirk. It, it feels like a... Uh, like a promotion. Yeah. It feels yeah. like. Good. <laughs> good. That's a good... When you can, when in life you can just buy a new chair and feel like a king, not a bad deal. It's even better when you get your boss to buy it for you. That's even better, yeah. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Today, we're going to talk about victimhood. Victimhood. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite topics, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems to show up a lot in a lot of presentations, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Okay, so why don't you kind of lead us off? Like, ha- Give us an example maybe of how this kind of can show up. Or, well, tell you what, let's start with what do we mean exactly by victimhood? Well, I, I believe that this is a uh, maybe a situation where people uh, tend to feel fairly powerless and they uh, tend to blame a lot of... Um, um, what what distresses them on outside factors or, or factors that are outside their control, um, uh, and, and this is done for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's it's um, um, done to escape responsibility. Let's say mm-hmm. I don't want to be at fault for anything, so I'm gonna um, blame the environment on why things turned out that way and not accept responsibility for my part in that. Yeah. So I, did, I, did, I didn't get my workouts in this week because my gym closed two hours early each day for exactly. you know, plumbing issues or exactly. whatever. Yeah, or the, yeah, that's a good... A mild example, right? Mild. But, mm-hmm. Or like mm-hmm. what I, one thing I see a lot is, um, this is largely perpetuated by our own profession, I think, but people come into therapy and they've got whatever XYZ issues. Um, and it's, it's basically like, well, if my parents had loved me more, you know, I wouldn't have all these issues that I have, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And there very well may be um, some truth to that, but I think what we're talking about is the idea that it doesn't have anything to do with me. It's because of other people, other situations, other everything that I'm suffering the way I am. Right, right. And, and kind of uh, um, ignoring the idea that uh, your choices probably led to that outcome um, more yeah. than... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what, before we go forward... I think one important clarification is the idea that this this happens on a spectrum, on a spectrum, I think. And to me, on one end is just sort of a realistic acknowledgement of, yes, I have been victimized. Someone did something bad to me and that had an effect, right? There, mm-hmm. there's, that's completely understand. And there, there's even a sense in which it's, it's healthy to be able to acknowledge that to some degree. I think in, in some ways that's a part of self-compassion is acknowledging like, I not everything is under my control, right? Like part of why I'm suffering may have to do with the fact that I'm surrounded by really mean, hurtful people, or I'm in a really stressful job, or like those are, that's, that's realistic, right? But then on the, there's this extreme end of the spectrum, which is, well, nothing's my fault, right? It's all other people. I, if only everyone else would kind of get things together, I wouldn't be in this position. And so I, I just think that framing is useful, that it, 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 there's a spectrum here. And, and what we're talking about, I think, is that if you start falling too far towards that extreme end, um, 
it can end up being pretty problematic, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another aspect of what you said is that somebody may do something, you, you use the word bad, um, to you. Um, or it could just be that somebody has made a decision that might impact you in some way. Mm. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be someone you know attacking you or doing something to you. I mean, sometimes um, you apply for a job and somebody else gets it. You know, right. and it's not that they did anything to you that was bad or anything. It's just right. the way you feel about that scenario. That's a great point. And that's a characteristic I, I see with, I think, people who struggle with this is they they have a kind of hyper-moralistic worldview where, mm-hmm. like, everything is, everything is moral. Everything is like someone or something doing something either really good but more likely doing something bad. Yeah. So I like that what you put out that sometimes it's just – you know, when your when your boss decides that like you know your coworker gets the promotion or gets a bigger bonus or whatever, like it's it's it may feel unfortunate to you. It may even feel unfair, but that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean a that it was wrong or that you, the other person was try, intentionally trying to wrong you. Well, and I think so often it's it's reading the good or badness of the event that is part of that victimization, where it's mm-hmm. like I didn't get the job, and and your explanation of it is. Um, oh, they just don't respect me or I didn't get promoted because the boss just doesn't like me. Um, and, and it's, and it's that perception of the unfairness of it all. It's the personalization of it that kind of is really kind of, I think, uh, the driving force behind that kind of, um, internalized victimhood of it. It's not fair. It wasn't, there's nothing I did. It it was, yeah, it was done. This was done kind of to me. There's a variant of this too. I I don't know if you've seen this, but. Where it's it's not that there it's not that people are um, kind of hyper blaming other people specifically, but it's this more diffuse, generalized like kind of like the universe just has it out for me. Like oh, uh, like that would be my like you know yeah, like I just yeah. never can catch a break. You know yeah. like I'm always so unlucky. I so I th- so I think that's kind of an important variant on this too. That they're not singling out some other person or some other thing, but it's just yeah. generally I'm. I don't get as many, I don't catch as many breaks as other people. I, I had a client um, years ago that would use this phrase and it just keeps getting better. <laughs> you know, something would happen. And this was his way of saying, this is kind of just the way it is for me. Right. You know, the um, the universe has got it out for me or things just kind of go this way for me. But anytime something kind of happened that, that was fairly negative, he would say, oh, and it just keeps yeah. getting better, you know, kind of like this <laughs> universal. Um, it's a little fatalistic. Very, yeah, you know, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you, like, why, in my experience, this is a pretty entrenched problem for a lot of people who fall into this category of having a hard time with kind of victimhood, mm-hmm. unrealistic victimhood. Um, they often have a hard time coming to terms with it and really seeing it as something they're doing. What? What do you make of that? Like, A, do you agree? Would you agree? And B, why is that, do you think? Why is it such a hard thing to become, to really kind of face up to clearly? Yeah, I, I think I would agree um, that, that it is hard for those individuals to recognize. And, and, and it, that depends on kind of how you arrived at that victimhood. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just an obfuscation of, I don't want to be at fault. Nothing's my fault, right? It's like, I don't want to be blamed for anything. I don't want. Um, it's, it's that guy's fault. It's her fault. It's, it's kind of an obvious, but then there is, um, that very, um, almost depressive kind of, I am the reason everything's going wrong. And, and I, um, 
I am the victim of all of these things. So if you truly believe that, I mean, it's an orientation. It's a, it's a thought pattern basically where you're internalizing and then kind of really feeling powerless and, and helpless and um, kind of putting yourself into that, that, that thought pattern will put you into a, a, a victimized kind of role. Yeah. Um, and then there's people that are just avoiding responsibility and saying, nothing's my fault. I don't, I don't have anything. Yeah. So this gets it. I think those are really the two in, in my experience, the, the two reasons for this kind of stubbornness of the, of the victimhood and the reason it's so hard to be aware of is a, it's, it's just a habit, like in habit, like anything the, the power of habits is they're, they're kind of automatic. They sort of happen in sort of either unconscious or semi-conscious ways. Yeah, it right? tends to be a default kind of way of viewing yep. a situation. Right. It, you know, th- th- something happens and your your kind of pattern for seeing situations like this is to say, oh, geez, this is yeah. par for the course. Or I didn't do it. It wasn't my fault because there's this kind of emotional kind of uh, conditioned reaction as part of that pattern that you're Yeah, so it can, it can become a, a habit to the point of personality trait almost right if it becomes that kind of big but i think the other thing that you sort of alluded to is the fact that doing um acting in this way even if it's habitual and kind of outside of your awareness it's it's functional which means it it does a job it's doing something for you you're getting something out of it right so if you let's say because of the way you were raised you're kind of hypersensitive to criticism right right you really feel criticism more than maybe most of us do yeah right? yeah maybe when you grew up um, when you messed up you were punished pretty yeah, severely hard, right? pretty severe so it became you and your siblings would would really jump to and, it's not my fault to, and this I, I, I've actually seen this this makes me think of I have a client whose um, father was very harsh and punitive and like very exacting in his standards and sort of expectations and um the the hammer would really come down if you got a b plus instead of an a there's a penalty to being at fault yeah but then interestingly it would that was also paired with my client observed her her mother had and i don't know why but did have this kind of um victimization sort of pattern in her where it was always blaming other people for her struggles, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, some of which were legitimate, but uh, it clearly went to this extreme degree. So for my client, it was like this perfect storm of developing an extreme sensitivity to criticism and then having another important person in her life model a particular way of handling that, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. ended up being not super helpful in the long run, mm-hmm. which is just blame everyone else. Right? Yeah. If, you, if it's always someone else's fault, it, it sort of shields you from that, uh, that criticism, right? Or that responsibility. That responsibility, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so that when you kind of, and I think that's a really humane way of looking at it. It's not that these people just have like faulty genes or they're just being kind of, lazy, um, right. you know, people, it's that at some point you developed this habit for a reason, probably. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was the best you could do as a kid. It's just what you learned to do. But if you don't, if you don't update that habit going forward, it, it's very likely that the, the, the pros are going to be vastly outweighed by the cons. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe that was a, a, a habit that developed in a, in a family dynamic where it kind of saved you from some penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you lose, uh, move into some other uh, adult relationships, that's not going to serve you real well. Yeah. Um, you know, y- you alluded to the idea that um, sometimes um, there's something valid about someone being victimized. Sometimes you just really are a victim of yeah. something that's happened. Um 
Which brings me to the case, you know, some, somebody might ask, well, if I'm a victim, what's wrong with kind of having that victimhood? Um, and I think, in, in my opinion, the biggest problem with, with adopting a victim um, kind of role or, or victimhood is how powerless you become. Mm. It, I mean, it, when you frame a situation um, as a victim, there's really nowhere for you to go. You painted yourself into a corner almost because there there was there were no options for you. There were no choices. There's nothing you can do, and so right. it's a very powerless kind of position. But recognizing um, what options you have and, and taking the responsibility for those choices is can be pretty empowering. Yeah, right? Right. I think that is kind of the solution here is is to really look at that that kind of avoiding blame or avoiding responsibility as like, oh, this is not going to help me. This is going to keep me in that victim role rather than help my life. Yeah, and I think it's about kind of finding that realistic balance of you can acknowledge when things, you know, people do hurt you and you, your suffering is caused by external things, um, but you also need to see what are the areas where I can actually do something differently to yeah. help myself if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so it's it's about realism, not extreme negativity or positivity, I think. Yeah, right? or, yeah there's nothing wrong with validating maybe what happened and how you feel about it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get that job. I feel very um, deflated, rejected right now, um, hurt, and I may even feel like it was unfair. And what do I want to do about that? How do yeah. I want to respond to that? But as soon as you just say it's unfair and that's the end of it, well, it can't really go anywhere. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. And so it's this very kind of self-defeating pattern. I think what you just said too is interesting because it's. I think that's a really good template for if you, maybe you don't struggle with victimhood, but maybe you, you live with someone or, or you are around someone a lot who, who does kind of take on this role to an unhealthy degree. I think that's actually a very helpful template for thinking about how do you deal with that person or how do you, or how even can you be helpful to the person there? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's helping them see by you validating what the negative thing that happened, right? That it must hurt to feel that way, but then distinguishing that from that doesn't mean you can't do X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. Or you can't take control over it. So I think it's that it's a powerful combination of being, um, most people like, I think the tendency when, when, when someone comes to you and kind of talks about being victimized, right? Being a victim, most of us probably are going to swing to one extreme or the other. We're going to go to kind of like wallowing with them and, Oh yeah, God, that's just all, you know, I can't believe just really kind of wallowing. The other extreme is like, well, pull, your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just like, mm -hmm. here, do X, Y, and Z. Why don't you just do this? Right? Yeah, just do this. And I think both of those are pretty unhelpful. But if you, can, if you can walk the line of validating and being compassionate with the negative thing that happened and how it must feel, and then offering a constructive kind of alternative, I think that's kind of a magic combination, mm -hmm. right? Well, and I think that's true validation to say, here's, here's kind of what happened and here's how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, that can't be wrong. You can't be wrong for how you right. feel about it. So right. to, to say, I do feel this way, but if that's the end of your analysis and the end of your um, thought about that, there's where the victim kind of role comes in, yeah. where it's just, the, it's stunted there. Um, and you're ignoring, well, what do I want to choose? How do I want to behave around this situation now? Right. Yeah. And by doing that, by, by you doing that for the other person, you're kind of modeling that same um, approach that they could then take, right? Of validating the feelings and, and the events but showing that that is distinct from and doesn't control 
what you can do going forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. In the case of maybe being passed over for the promotion or something, there's no problem in feeling hurt by that or feeling frustrated by that. Um, You might go a step further though and say, okay, do I want to leave my position now? You know, is this something that I'm dissatisfied with? And I really do feel I was treated unfairly and let's really validate that and say that might be, that might be true enough, you know, and and what do you want, what do you want to do about that? Do you want to go get a different type of training? Do you want to be assert, have an assertive conversation with coworkers and your supervisor? There, there are lots of options there. Um, but to stay in the job, you know, for four more years and, and be passed over and just say, well, they hate me. That's, that's just all there is to it. Right. It, it. It freezes you in that position where that's probably going to keep happening. Yeah. And one thing I like to, I think for people who struggle with this a lot, even something as simple as we say something like, well, what, you know, what could you do? Maybe you can have a conversation with your, with your supervisor. I think if you've been in the habit for so long of just feeling victimized and then not really doing anything, I think even something what seems as simple as that can be really intimidating. And so I, I like to take the approach of helping people be really gradual with that next step of, is there actually something I could do? Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's just some, if, if ta- being assertive and talking to your supervisor feels overwhelming, maybe it's just like, I write down a list of like three things I could potentially do. Potentially. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to do them. I'm just mm-hmm. writing down a list. Yeah. Right. And, and kind of gra- incrementally, gradually working your way up to doing things that feel overwhelming. Yeah. It seems like you're moving them from a rigid view of helplessness to a, well, there's a potential maybe. And it yeah. kind of softens that rigidity up to make them more problem or likely to, to act. You know, the, the other thing I'll say before I, before I, I finish maybe is that in, in the case that you're, kind of obfuscating responsibility and you're just not, you don't want to be blamed for anything. Um, man, there's a problem too, right? Mm-hmm. We're almost the same way where, um, you're helpless. Um, and the events of the world around you are just not due to anything that, that you're doing at all. Um, which tends to look really ridiculous to everybody around you. <laughs> right. And then you're forced to play this weird kind of gaslighting role where you're trying to convince people that choices you've made have no impact at all out in the inner, in the universe and that everything is, is everything else's responsibility and their yeah. fault, you know? And so, um, the same way here to really look at like, well, how might I have been responsible for that? And how might I accept responsibility for that and apologize? And how do I develop those things? But it's hard at first if you haven't done that for a well, while. Well, I think because it falls into that, that classic trap that all hard things in life fall into, which is often the things that feel easy and good in the short term make things worse in the long term. And things that feel hard in the short term mm-hmm. make things easier and better in the mm-hmm. long term. And I think accepting some amount of responsibility um, for your own life and for your future can be hard. It's certainly harder than just saying like, well, it's everyone else's fault. That feels easier in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. But in the long run, it's really, it really narrows your life. It really cripples your life, I think, and your options and your se- even your self-esteem, your sense of self, right? Yeah. Whereas if you can, again, in small ways at the beginning, work up to tolerating what's hard in the first place, it tends to make things a lot easier and more enjoyable in the long run. Yeah, yeah. It is It is funny that way, that the things that are really good for us long-term are hard to do in the short, in the, in the, in the immediate kind of present. Often, yeah. Um, yeah, the things that are bad for us in the long-term tend to be pretty easy to do yeah. right, right in the moment, yeah. Junk food, laying on the couch, spending money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, on the flip side of this too, if you have someone in your life that's like this, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. It, it really is hard, and and... 
Um, the idea is you're never going to be able to make someone not be a victim or, or not, or, or you're not going to be able to make someone do what you want them to do and accept responsibility or whatever it is. Um, and so making decisions around their behavior is your responsibility and you don't want to kind of play the victim, um, to their victimhood too and say, well, because they won't accept responsibility, I have to, you know, so it, this can be a domino kind of effect yeah, in some relationships where it becomes this kind of because you can't, I can't, and because you won't, I, you know, it, mm-hmm. it gets really difficult. So putting boundaries around this in a relationship is a pretty good idea. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.